The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated. S is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by high echelon pc most pleasant exhaustion coaching blue pineapple travel and elemental altitude training center my name is george darden i'm an endurance athlete and coach in atlanta georgia i'm a father of twin boys and i'm a college professor my name is michelle frank i'm also an endurance athlete in atlanta georgia mom to three girls and a cpa and we have with us today a very special guest it is jacqueline williams nasser jacqueline welcome to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast Oh, thank you so much for having me. I never thought I would be on here, but I'm glad that I have the opportunity. So just have to qualify and race Kona to get on. <laughs> twice, twice. <laughs> yeah, um, Jacqueline is a is a very accomplished athlete, as she just said. Uh, she just competed in the Ironman World Championship in Kona for the second time here in 2023 after having done it in 2019. Uh, and we wanted to hear all about her experience in that race. Um Jacqueline, what made you want to go back? Oh, you know, once you're an athlete or competitor, I think you'll always be a competitor. So just after having my son um, in 2021, um, I wanted to see what I could do, maybe get back into it. And um, when they announced that the world championship was going to be all women, and I figured that 
oh, why not try to go for it? There would be probably a good opportunity or chance to get there. Um, and I thought that it might be doable with a two-year-old. Um, mm -hmm. And that, you know, once we, well, we would want to grow our family some more. Um, I thought after that, there'd probably be no chance for a couple of years. So mm -hmm. I thought, why not? So um, I did a couple marathons um, in 2022. And then I was like, okay, of course, what's next? What's the next thing? And I'm just, I miss training. I miss competing. So um, it was really great that this was a good year to come back and, and do that. Did it, did it have a special meaning in terms of like being able to come back as a mom? Um, oh, so, yeah. you know, you've, you've had this major life change. Your son is two years old, as you just said. Um, was that kind of part of, of your, your mental approach to the race? Yeah. I mean, you, I've trained and, and competed with women who were moms and I just am in awe of how they schedule, you know, their workouts, you know, their family time, um, their work, how they do that. And so I got a taste of it for myself and, um, I'm just, you know, it's just amazing what we can do and organize. I think that's one, uh, thing that we have an advantage of is that we can organize a lot and do well in big races because, you know, we're used to doing it outside of the field. So, um, but I, I mean, I want to show Michael that if you want to do something, you can do anything. I mean, my mom did it. She did a marathon and, um, let's see, she did the public's marathon, her only. And I said, and this was like, I think tw 2012, 11, something like that. And she, I remember her telling me that she did a four mile loop four times. Like, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's like <laughs> so long. And you know, this is before I got into marathons and I saw her do it. And I was like, why can't I do it if she can do it? And so, you know, following in her footsteps, her setting the example, I hope to set the example for Michael that he can do anything he wants to do. Right um, if you work hard for it, you can do it, especially for, trying to get into Kona, it, it's super hard. And, you know, just having to keep at it and keep at it and working, working. So what were some of the specific challenges or I guess, logistical decisions that you guys had to make as you decided to go back into training to qualify for Kona um, with being a mom, so to speak, like you can't just, yeah, you know, well, <laughs> eight hours yeah. to be gone on a weekend. No big deal. It's actually a big deal. So, yeah. well, the first challenge is hard when you have another endurance athlete in the house because yeah. they also have a training schedule. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it, Chris and I would have to juggle between who would get the morning shift. Um, and, but my mom happens to live with us. So she can be on call pretty much a lot. Um, but still she's not always available. Um, and then we also had help from Chris's parents who, um, Chris's dad would come in and pick up Michael and take him to visit his cousin camp. And they would get to, so I would have like a couple days where I could train or do whatever I needed to do, um, uninterrupted. And so that really helped having, um, the grandparents around to, you know, be able to fit in the workouts, but you know, there were some 4am morning workouts, lots of early morning workouts, or Chris would have to come home and, uh, 
uh, early in the, in the afternoons. So I could do an afternoon workout. So it, it worked out okay, but always I was stressing out in my mind, how am I going to get my workout in? <laughs> am I going to be able to get this done? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was, um, that was always just an added stress, but you figure it out. And I always knew if I miss something, it's no big deal. That's what it is. But I, I love hitting workouts. I love um, following plans and, you know, seeing my training peak screen. So it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel it that. Was, it, yeah. It, but it was really nice that we had the, the help from family. Um, I couldn't have done it without their help yeah. and support. So. Well, you know, it's funny, the, the, the benefit of having your husband, Chris, also being an endurance athlete is that your in-laws, his parents get it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that's always been something with my parents. Like my parents get it. Like I can ask my parents to come over and look after my sons for two hours so I can go run. And that's, and they're, they're like, yes, that's important. That's something you can do. Got it. And they're willing to do that. Right. I don't think that, that everybody necessarily has parents that get it. And your mom certainly gets it because like you said, she did a marathon herself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and and yeah. I have to give kudos to Chris because he would sacrifice his Saturdays so I could spend pretty much all day Saturday mm-hmm. doing my bike ride um, because it takes time to get there, right. set up, right, do your bike. And there's always stoppage time in, mm-hmm. in the middle of your ride and then afterwards. And I mean, I spent some long days in Cartersville and um, for him to swap his training days so that he would ride on Sundays and run Saturdays. Um, he would make it work. So I'm really thankful that, you know, I mean, he gets it, but it was, it's really nice for him to do that. I also found that when my sons were born, I had to have sort of a, a slight switch when it came to the workouts themselves. Um, that one, they weren't always like the ideal workout, right? Like on a mm-hmm. day when I wanted to go to the mountains, maybe I'd end up on the trainer instead, <laughs> you know? Um, but then also like even during the workouts and, and you and I do a lot of workouts together on Wednesdays and Friday mornings. And so I've kind of seen this a little bit, like if you're in the middle of a repeat, sometimes you have to get off the bike for just a minute in order to deal with your son and kind of get him settled and then hop back on the bike. Right. Um, that, that was, that was a big mindset shift for me. Um, is that something that that, that you had to kind of change up to? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you want to nail the the workout complete, but that's just life. I mean, that becoming a mom has made me realize it's never going to be perfect and you're going to stress about it, but at the end, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it doesn't matter from a physiological place either. So if no. you're doing, if you're doing a 12 minute long repeat at your 100% of your FTP, if you take 30 seconds in there, you're not going to have a profoundly different workout, <laughs> right? It's not like, oh, your lactate shuttling system's going to be like, nope, sorry. She missed that 30 seconds. No ad adaptations, right? Um, you still yeah, because you, you, you make hard workouts. So it's, it's beneficial across. <laughs> <laughs> I can account that my, your workouts really did good for me this year. So good, good, good. Um, Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about what the path to qualifying to go back to Kona looked like, like which race did you pick and why? Um, and how'd that race go? So, uh, this year I wanted to do Coeur d'Alene, um, because it's always been on my bucket list, uh, to do that race. It's a, a challenging course, um, mountainous, uh, bike ride. Um, and 
uh, I love Idaho. My family had some property in Idaho. And so I've always wanted to, you know, spend some time there again. And so with Coeur d'Alene, they actually took it off the circuit, um, alternating years of a full Ironman one year to a half Ironman the next year. And I thought, well, it's a full this year. This may be my only chance for me to race this race. So that was one factor that I just wanted to do that race in general. And it turns out you were right about that. Yeah. So they ended up taking it off the calendar. It's not going to be an Ironman anymore. So So you're right about that. You raced (laughs) the last Ironman Coeur d'Alene and it's a great one. Yeah. I've done it too. Yeah. 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 It's such a beautiful course and I'm so glad I got to do it. Um, And so they gave some extra spots out there at the race. So I knew there was a good chance, Um, but I really wanted to get top five in my age group. And I trained that way. I was focused that way. And a lot of women showed up um, and, (laughs) you know, past women in my age group and overall. So I ended up getting seventh. Um, but it was, uh, it was really like hard to go into the race expecting to know what I would do after being off the, the race circuit. And for four years, I hadn't raced since Kona 2019 and I was really nervous, especially on a hilly bike course. Um, I just wasn't sure what I could do. So I played it very safe um, just so I could have a good run. Uh, I'd been running well all year long before this. And so I thought, okay, just take it easy, do what you need to do on the bike, and then hopefully you'll have a good run. And I ended up having a PR and um, on my run. So I was really grateful for that. And of course, it wasn't hot as hot as like Kona, but, um, it was still like a really good course, um, to run on. And, um, I had a couple, several teammates out there and, um, that was another factor of why I wanted to do this race was that I knew that there were some friends out there and that just makes it the experience much better sure. when you have people out there cheering for you, knowing they're on the course, something to look forward to. So did you know right away that the seventh place age group was going to get you to Kona or did you have to wait? Yeah. And see? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty they, awesome. they had about 14 spots for my age group and my friend, Christy Moss, she really wanted to go. And, um, I almost thought about not giving my spot because I was like, she, I've been there. It's okay if I don't go, but somebody ended up passing on a spot so she got it and for me that was the greatest moment ever was knowing that she got a spot and I mean the tears started flowing it was just such a great moment and so I'm glad that she got to go so that's awesome I would have been happy that I didn't have to give up my spot, but I think you were genuinely <laughs> happy that your friend got a spot. <laughs> I was like, what meet my friend, Michelle, and then somebody else gives it up. And then I don't get to go. And she, got... <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was nerve wracking yes. because, and I felt so bad. I was like, yeah, I want to go, but I also didn't want to be the only one not going. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so hard. Wow. That's awesome that it worked out. Yeah. So, so when you were on course or even like immediately following the race or anything else like that, were there things that, that you did or things that you felt or you experienced that you're like, Oh yeah, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> I mean, what, what, as I mean, soon as I got into the marathon, like my probably mile six or so, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. 
<laughs> Why did I sign up for this? This like, was a terrible idea. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> and and it really is that, you know, Ironman marathon. You just, but it wasn't as bad. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but it wasn't as bad as I felt in Kona this year on the marathon. But um, I still, you know, was really proud and felt pretty good and um, was um, excited to be out there. I mean, that was the whole point of, me wanting to do this was that you're racing again, you know, it's, it's fun to race. And so, um, I had, um, a cousin, um, who lived in the area and he came and he was on the bike course and he was telling me what position I was. And so he told me on the bike that I was like six or seventh. And I was like, okay, that's kind of what I thought. Um, and at that point I was like, okay, it's probably out of the cards for me to get top five. We're just going to keep going. Um, and just do what, see what I can do. And, you know, I mean, even if I had a better race or, or if I could have changed a couple minutes here and there, I still wouldn't have got changed any places. So it was, um, there were some really strong women out there, which is great, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. So did the build up to Kona, did you feel like, um, once you qualified and accepted the spot, was it Kona was going to be like a victory lap or did you train for Kona in the same way you trained for Coeur d'Alene with like the intention of potentially having your best day out there? Um, yeah. So when I, um, I had a little bit more time in between races where in 2019, I only had about eight weeks in between races and in 2019, that was definitely a celebratory, um, Kona for me, but this time around, I had a little bit more time in between. So it was, I was trying to, um, I set a couple goals cause I needed something to work towards. Um, you had about four months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, good to have like, you know, more time to train, but also I'm doing two Ironmans in one year, which is a lot. So, um, which I, the approach to training was a little bit different, you know, not a whole lot of running more biking. Um, but I still had that base in me from, you know, Coeur d'Alene. And, um, so I set some goals, um, for Kona so that that way I was motivated because it's hard when it's just, what do you, what, what's driving you? What's going to make you go on race day when it gets really hard? Um, so I set some goals, um, to try to go for, um, and so I hit some and I missed some, but that's okay. I mean, sure. That's, that's how yeah. it is. So, yeah. Very good. Yeah. It's, it's funny to hear you say that you had plenty of time. So in it doesn't 2000, sound like much time. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say in 2012, <laughs> I did Coeur and qualified for Kona later in the year and it didn't, it wasn't enough time for me. Um, they were, they were 16 weeks apart. Um, and that wasn't enough time. I couldn't turn it around and I kind of blew it. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I ended up then qualifying at Wisconsin cause it gave me a year <laughs> and I was like, okay, 13 months, I can do that. But, but, but four months was just too quick of a turnaround for me. Yeah. Um, but compared to you can, you qualified in 2019 at Mont and that was like a mm-hmm. six week turnaround, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, you know, kind of going with the same kind of, uh, workouts or just doing them kind of to keep it, you know for your, your legs to fire and all that. So, um, that was definitely a more, um, I can't believe I'm here. This is so awesome. 
this is, you know, I, I'm just here. That That's all that matters is that, yeah. you know, I was here. So. Well, so let's talk about going there then. So you flew out there on the Wednesday before the race was on Saturday. Is that right? We flew out on Tuesday. Tuesday. So we got there Tuesday evening. Okay. Okay. So really like it's midnight Eastern time. So you're, you're, you're trying to just get things like we ended up going to the grocery store before mm-hmm. we get to went to the condo. Cause we got to get some things for Michael and, um, check in, kind of get unpacked and then wind down. But you wake up like 6am and it, you know, mm-hmm. they're ready to go. It's bright. It's, uh, exciting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you get there, I mean, you just feel the spirit of the island. You feel that it, it, it's such a magical place. And so um, I always feel blessed that I get to go there. Um, was it ever a consideration to not take Michael with you? Or was it, if we're going to Kona, like we're all going, like Michael's going to come <laughs> and he might not remember this, but I want him there. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. We, I mean, we definitely want him around and we can juggle it. He, he seems to do pretty well, especially that my mom was there and her friend Tracy was there. Um, Tracy's pretty much been to every Ironman that I've done. So she's part of the crew. <laughs> and um, so it was great to have extra hands. Um, but of course, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, maybe we should just leave him at home. <laughs> it I might know. be easier, you know. <laughs> well, it would for sure be easier. <laughs> so he's what a, I he's found a, out He's this- a pretty chill baby though, right? Or yeah, chill two-year-old. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he like, he goes with the flow. So, um, but there were, what I've learned this time is that it takes twice as long to do anything. So yeah, things sure. that we thought we would get to do, we didn't get to do. So, because it's just like getting everything together. And for me, like having to get together all my stuff that I need for the day or the practices that I have to do, plus getting Michael, all his stuff, mm-hmm. it's, I think only a woman can do it. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it, it is interesting to hear you say that because when I went to Kona in 2014, my sons were six months old, um, and there were two of them. But but there's but they were six months old, and and a lot of people were like, "Oh, how could you handle that?" And but then other people were like, "Better at six months than at 18 months or mm-hmm. 24 months." And you actually went at roughly 24 months, right? Um, so, so yeah, but it worked out. Okay. <laughs> it did. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. So, so you spend some time in Kona, you get to do some pretty cool stuff, um, in the days leading up the race and then come race morning, talk us through it. What time did you get up? Oh, I guess I got up at three 30, mm-hmm. had my breakfast right away. So that way I had a couple hours before the race went off and, we were, um, my, my, um, age group was one of the first to go off. So that was kind of a benefit in a way. Um, so I, I knew I had to kind of be in transition early to, um, get everything set up and, and get lined up in the, uh, starting corrals. I, and, um, they had us, um, on the map, they actually had it showed all the corrals, how it's supposed to be lined up. And I was like heading that way. And of course the crowds are so packed and I'm trying to figure out how to get to my corral. <laughs> and I oh. almost thought I was going to miss it, but, um, they had some good volunteers to direct you. And, um, but when I walked up to the race morning to get, um, they check out your, 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 uh, 
num or number tattoos on your arms, make sure it's all correct and all that. But the volunteers were just fantastic. They're just cheering for you, cool. applauding you. I mean, I was like walking in there teary eyed, like it's just so awesome being there because they really do make it special. Um, and they're just super supportive of everyone out there. So I got there and got my, got to my bike and, um, they don't allow bike pumps. Um, so who, whatever somebody brought some volunteer or whoever, um, you had to borrow from what was there. And I were, I used probably three bike pumps until I finally got one that worked and I was freaking out oh my God. because on the, on the third pump, I was pumping up my front tire and it was like, it started off at like 40 PSI. And I was like, how did it get low? Was it low from this morning or was it because I was trying to fit, figure out how to use this bike pump and I let out all the air? Hmm. So I had that in the back of my mind, like, okay, when you get to your bike out of T1, make sure you check your front wheel to make sure it's okay. So mm -hmm. I it's was so worried about it, but it ended up being fine. I guess it was user air. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like in, in a lot of ways, like you said, you're kind of tearing up and it's such a special experience and the volunteers are so fantastic. That's sort of thing. But then like the thing about <laughs> pumping up that happens at every race. <laughs> you know? And so in some ways it's like super special and different in some ways it, it it's exactly the same. Right. Yeah. I mean, did it, you, you mentioned like the emotion and tearing up, um, what all was kind of feeding into that? Was it the return or did, did the fact that it was the first ever all women's race, did that kind of contribute to, to sort of a more emotional vibe there at the start or, or what? I mean, I just think that it's Kona, the world championship. I mean, just being there, that's what makes it special. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of factors, obviously, you know, I'm back here. I never thought I'd be back, um, the soon, um, but just being there, that's what really makes it special. So, and I know that the feeling, that feeling was across the board for all the women out there. So I, I knew that they had worked really hard to get there and everybody wanted to be there. And you could feel that you could feel the support from all the women. They were, you know, even though they were competing against each other, everybody was still super supportive. So um, I, I ended up trying to chat with some women next to me while um, setting up our bikes because I'm like, this is just so cool to be here. You know, I'm, I'm in such a good mood. I just want to talk to somebody, you know, so um, you say you say some... tried to because <laughs> there's well, they... well, there's different languages. OK, okay. yeah, that's and, a and some are just very um, focused, just focused. So mm -hmm. um, so besides worrying about your bike, how did the swim go? Like, what was so, the start it, like? I mean, it, it, how did... that swim is so cool. I mean, cause you, you, yeah. as soon Tell as you start swimming, you can see directly down to the bottom and you see tropical fish. And I mean, it's a swim like no other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, I was able to swim out with two of my friends, um, Christy Moss being one of them. And so we got to line up together and I just, I, it's just so special. They're, um, swimming, you know, waiting in the water, waiting for, um, the horn to sound off. I thought it was going to be a cannon, but 
they only i guess they only do it for the pros now so <laughs> which they, is they, they, the they, cannon they just fire the cannon you. for the very first one and that's it yeah yeah and then it yeah. was like a, and then it's a horn. <laughs> i was wow. like okay i guess that's it let's go <laughs> were, were, and you said you were one of the first were you the first group to go off right after the pro women there was the physically challenged and handicapped um, okay. that went before us. Okay. Um, and then we were the first to go off. Okay. So the swim, like I, when I was there in 19, I was probably one of the last to go off. So I had a bunch mm. of um, people to draft off of, but mm. this year, since we were the first, there was really nobody to draft off of. Mm. Um, and I think that's what made the swim really challenging um, for more sure. for me this year. Um so it was, I, I, there was a pack of women that I wanted to follow and to try to keep up with it. And I lost them and I ended up being part of a pack. And so it was, um, but it wasn't, um, um, we weren't, uh, fighting for position. It, there wasn't a lot of that, but I have heard that it was in, in some of the, um, other eight or age groups. So, um, but since we were the first, there were, there was plenty of you know, lanes for us. Um, and the swells were, were pretty good. Um, not terrible. It wasn't too choppy. Um, so, but it was long. You, you look out there and you see how long it is. And yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You stand on the beach and you're like, Oh, see the last buoy out there. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, It's basically you swim uh, uh, 1.2 miles out. You do like 50 meters and then you swim 1.2 miles back. I mean, it's a very, the course in general in Kona is, is not super creative, but, um, but in, in, and the swim yeah. is, is, is certainly not a, not a very creative space. And so into T1, happy with your swim? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know my time immediately. And so... Okay. Uh, but I kind of was like, oh, I, I don't think I'm on track as I wanted to be, but I'm like, Hey, you don't know, like could have been harder for everybody could have been easier. Maybe the way I, how I was positioned. Um, so, um, but I was just, you know, I, I was sad that it was over because that is one of the best parts of the race is the swim. Um, cause the big part, <laughs> hey, hey, George, <laughs> I know Who says that. Who says that? <laughs> because so, it gets harder wrong, wrong room Jacqueline. So, <laughs> i have heard that Jacqueline does love to swim i, I see yeah. this come to truth now <laughs> so but i haven't been in the water since Kona. so mm -hmm, the truth comes out <laughs> uh -huh. so, oh, um but we so then i get on the bike and it was really nice to be at, near the front because there was nobody to have to worry about um, cause you have to worry about coming down Polani. It's a, it's a long, um, long hill down. And, um, so, and I think it was a no passing zone, but I think some people were passing <laughs> or not supposed to, but mm -hmm. I was just trying to be safe and, and get there. And I just, as soon as I started, I knew I, I had a better feeling, uh, being on the bike. Um, I had some target numbers I wanted to hit or I had wanted to hit on uh, power wise. So I was just concentrating on that. And, um, it just, I was trying not to think about the wind because last or in 2019, there was a lot of crosswind mm -hmm. and I was kind of worried for my safety on some of those crosswinds, um, like literally being blown off my bike. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was a Atlanta athlete that did get blown off her bike. 
that she, you know, she was very small. And so she did end up wrecking because of the wind. So in, 2000, in 2019. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was very nervous, but I was trying to, um, I, this year I came with a more appreciation and respect for the wind and try to be move with it this time. Was it but, also more of a head tailwind this year? Versus yeah. So there wasn't really any crosswind. crosswind yeah. There was, um, some headwind going into Javi and then there was tailwind going out of it. So, which so, so going, going downhill, at, you had, going you downhill. Had <laughs> so if you look at my bike split going down, I'm like averaging, I think almost 29 miles an hour for like Oof. five miles. It, it was insane. Like I go, I wish I could ride like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if only every ride could be tailwind downhill. Exactly. Wow. So, um, it was, it was really great to, um, not have the wind, um, as a factor. Um, this time I actually just finished watching the, the pro coverage online and the commentators are saying, oh, look at the ocean. There's barely any white caps. You know, I don't really see any white caps. You know, the wind must be really calm right now. You can't see the grass moving too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's going to lead for a very hot run. That's going to be a really hot run. And guess what? It was, it was a, a super hot run. Hot run. <laughs> so, um, in terms of like keeping fueling going and everything on the bike, what was the plan and, and how did that go out there? <laughs> So I have a, um, I actually, of course I print it off and I tape it to my, my arrow bottle, but I had pretty much, I eat every 30 minutes, something. So I alternate between gels and chews and then a, a, um, like a peanut butter jelly sandwich halfway. So, um, I was on top of that, but I think I wasn't on top of my hydration, which Mm -hmm. I should have known. I know better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but starting so early, I think I wasn't on top of it because Mm -hmm. it felt cooler. And then as it, like the day goes on and you start feeling it, um, I think I was off on my hydration and that led to a bad feeling marathon. (laughs) So, uh, um, but by the time you get thirsty, it's a little bit too late. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, but I, I mean, I was squirting water all over myself. I was drinking water. I was drinking my Gatorade. I mean, but I guess it's just not enough in Kona. So, um, but I hit all, I, I ate everything I needed to eat and, and that helped. And, um, the wind, some of the tailwind you had, it was, um, it kind of helped. It helped definitely, but it helped. I, my bike setup wasn't set up enough, well enough, I think for this course okay. that I had a hard time getting resistance on, on my pedals to push me, mm-hmm. um, so I think if I were to go back again, I'd have to get a different setup because mm-hmm. I have a one by, which mm-hmm. helps going up hills and mm-hmm. switching basic or changing gears. But um, I need an extra hard gear yeah, so that say, I you, can you, get. You needed a bigger, biggest gear. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. 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 No, I remember very well. So, I, so the last time I did Kona in 2014, there was a lot of headwind as well but then got the tailwind on the way back on the queen k and at one point in order to get that resistance on my bike coming back on the queen k with the tailwind i was i was doing 110 rpms um, <laughs> yeah 
for like for like five kilometers. I mean, it wasn't like I hit it. It yeah. was like I was holding that super high cadence for a really long time. Um, and but but at the same time was go was passing a whole lot of people because a lot of people were were spun out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was a challenge, definitely. And mm-hmm. so, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. <laughs> and 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 your bike split was faster than it was in 2019, yes, right? Yes, yes. And yeah. I think that one, the wind was a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, I, I hope that the training that I did, the the work um really helped. Mm-hmm. Um so that mm-hmm. was one of my goals was to have a better bike split. So and yeah, I think yeah. that having more time in between the two races helped. <laughs> For sure. So. For sure. Did you know um, when you got into T2 that you had like ridden a much better bike than the last time you were there? Oh, yeah. Like, did you have that feeling? Because I was the watching marathon? it. Yeah, I was watching it my bike time the whole time or yeah, my di- bike time the whole time. Um, and I, when I got to Javi, the turnaround, I was calculating, OK, I'm about halfway. Um, you know, if I keep this up, this is what I'll have. Um, so I was like, I'm on point. And if I, you know, something were to happen, like, you know, if the wind picked up or, or something mechanically bad happened, I was still on track for, um, PRing the bike course. So I was, that put me in a good mood, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've alluded (laughs) to it a few times now that the run was a struggle. Um, oh yeah. Now, now <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the finish. You still finished ultimately faster than yes. what you finished in 2019. You were 12 Correct. minutes faster as a mom in 2023 than you mm-hmm. were in 2019. Um, but but so so it, there's a little part of me that's like, really, the run was that tough? She did well. Well, so so yeah. tell us a little bit about the run then. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at my times, I was only two minutes slower this time, but I was literally died out there. <laughs> there on on the queen k there on i was like this is like mile 20 22 and you're back on the queen k trying to get back into town from being out of the energy lab and there's a guardrail and there was a little shadow and i literally just wanted to go over to that shadow and lay down and die <laughs> because there was no shade yeah. at all yeah. which is funny because race week there were clouds that were rolling in from the mountain that would come in in the afternoons and cover the town and elii and all mm-hmm. and and the queen k and it didn't happen on race day. It was <laughs> clear not. skies, like there's not a cloud in the sky. Right. <laughs> so right. it made for a very hot, hot run, which I mean, I knew to expect. And I have ways of managing it. Like I carry a Ziploc bag that I fill with ice and I carry that around from aid station to aid station. And, you know, I'll dump it over my head. I'll drink from it. You know, I'll put it on all the important places like my wrist and my neck and my head. So I try to manage it, but there was just something different about this year. And I don't know if it was because I was dehydrated, if it was, I don't know if I, I don't feel like I pushed too hard on the bike. Um, but my legs were turning over. Okay. My overall, like things were working out, but I just felt terrible. Hmm. And so I don't know exactly what it was. And I was staying on top of my nutrition, um, during the run and I was taking in Gatorade and, you know, electrolytes and all that, but just, it just did not feel good. <laughs> so I really wanted it to feel good because you're there for the world championship. You're there for, in Kona. You want to enjoy it. There's people out there that, you know, 
Um, of course, I smiled for the people and the camera, but it was <laughs> really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, from a from a and and not to minimize how difficult it was by any stretch, of course not. Um, but from strictly a performance point of view, you actually did really well, though. I mean, like oh, you said, it, your legs kept it, turning over and and you felt really rough, but you only ran, you said, two minutes slower than you ran in 2019? Yeah. So that's I did. pretty good. And I walked the aid stations. <laughs> and yeah. so I think in between the aid stations that I walked, my legs were, were turning over real well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um counts yeah. for the good the good work that i put in the the year so right um on. i just wish i felt better <laughs> sure sure but well, it was definitely cool running down polani mm. hoping that your legs don't give out your quads <laughs> <laughs> in the last mile there yeah but one of my goals was to uh finish in the daylight and mm-hmm. because i started early i had a better bike split I was able to finish in the daylight and that was the best feeling in the world. So very cool. Very good. Very good. Um, So you said that you tried to smile to your friends as they, as you pass them and your family, (laughs) as you pass them and that sort of thing. Right. What was that like having your son on course? Oh man. I just, I looked forward to seeing him all the time and just definitely gave me a burst, you know, of love and energy and, you know, he, he kind of recognized me a few times. They came out on uh, <laughs> the bike course. <laughs> that kind of looks like so my they, mom, they, but she's wearing really yeah, odd I'm clothes not really and she's sure. super sweaty. <laughs> Sounds like my mom, you know, and I'm like, oh, I want a kiss. Give me a kiss. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. So, um, no, it was, it was so great to have him out there. And, you know, I'm thankful that my mom and Chris, toted him around so and i finished early enough for him to go to bed so there you go. There you <laughs> go. tell us about how you chose to wear the kit that you wore well uh the dynamo kit the pink and the yeah. green yeah. yeah so um well i mean dynamo is such a great group and they were with me in Coeur d'Alene and um so they were people that i trained with all all year long and so um really wanted to get the kit haley's kit super cute and you know, vibrant Haley, and Haley Chura who was competing Haley, in the yeah. pro division there yeah mm-hmm. she was second out of the water and mm-hmm. uh yeah she she had a good race and um but anyways yeah Dynamo has been super supportive of me and uh they were good teammates and and coaches um and so it was really great to be part of of their team and and um actually it helped being to, to get spotted out there yes that's you had this bright <laughs> colorful kit but um it, it dynamo is, is is super cool and uh, i'm really appreciative of them so i think we're both george and i are both big fans of um Haley um, and also Alyssa. but she said that like and i don't know if you passed her but she said when she was running that it was so amazing to see all the like amateur women and age group women behind her also wearing her kit. That would be cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, mm-hmm. I saw her several times, like, and every time I saw her, I said, everyone said hi. Like I goes like, go Haley, wait. go Haley. Yeah. It, and I wasn't expecting her to acknowledge me, but she would give me like a, a slight acknowledge. Right. And I was like, she just, she acknowledged me. And I think it's because I'm wearing her kit. Like totally. if I wasn't, <laughs> she'd probably just be like, okay, but yes, that's but no, it was so great to see, you know, her have a great race. And, um, I mean, just being out there to watch all the pro women, I mean, 
it's super cool to be on the same course as professional triathletes and seeing it all go down. So when I was on the bike, um, you could tell there's a helicopter up in the air that where they were or where the front pack was. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm always interested in what's, what's happening in the, in the pro field. So I was trying to guess who would be in the front and the bike. And it was, um, Lucy Charles Barclay. And I, there was only, there was only one right answer all day long. The whole day. (laughs) Yeah. A mate, like a wire to wire victory, which is an Iron Man. Yeah. But anyways, I saw her pass on the bike and I was waiting for another female to come to be right there. And it took a long time for me (laughs) to see, um, Mm -hmm. Taylor Dib, And I was like, dang girl, go girl. (laughs) I I was like, dang. And then, you know, you start seeing all the other ones. I'm like, okay, there's Daniela. Okay. Um, there's Laura Phillip. Okay. You know, so that like having that distraction is always good for when you're, you know, racing out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I was like, okay, what's going to happen on the marathon? Because usually it's always Lucy who kind of like loses it in the marathon. And I forget when I saw her. Um, but I had an idea that she was leading and she was going to win. Um, so I was really happy about that because she's just been fighting for so long for, Mm -hmm. to win this race. And I'm so Mm -hmm. glad it finally happened. I say it's me because I got a picture with her a couple of days before the race that (laughs) undoubtedly. Yeah. For sure. It yeah. was definitely I mean, me, so. she, she's finished second four times. Did you ever get a picture with her before any of those? No, no. There yeah. you go. Problem so. solved. The we, secret to yeah. Lucy Charles Barkley's success is Jacqueline Williams Nasser. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, you know, you talked about Haley. I think she had kind of a very similar race to you. Like she, she had a great swim. She had a really good bike. And then she, she, struggled a little bit on the run. It hurt her on mm-hmm. the run. Um, um, yeah. but, but nonetheless was, was happy with the overall experience. Um, yeah. so what about you? Like looking back on the race, I mean, you're happy with your performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, afterwards, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was glad to be done, but, um, <laughs> it was, it was looking back. I hit the, some really good goals that I wanted. Um, and just being there, being part of that historic, you know, race of all women for the first time. Um, it was just really a pleasure to be out there with all these amazing women who mm-hmm. I don't even know their backstories, but I know everyone has a backstory and that just fueled me, um, you know, this year. And I think it fueled a lot of the women out there, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, we dreamt to be here and we're so lucky to be here and that we get the day all to ourselves and they really did make it um like the the organization the sponsors the coaches the pros ex-pros they were all out there in full force yeah. um making it the best race experience possible and it they everybody showed up and, and that was mm-hmm. really cool to see that so mm-hmm. um it was just an honor to to be there for 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 this, this race. So, and I'm very happy, you know, with my performance and, um, just, I, I think everybody happy for everybody because I think everybody had good days and, you know, got to experience something that not a lot of people get to experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, 
seemed like there was kind of a lot of backlash initially when Ironman went to separate kind of the men's and women's world championship days. But it also seems like women, they didn't just fill the spots, right? Like people went there and they raced and they had Ironman PRs and they finished way, you know, way less, even Mm -hmm. Haley herself, like right over nine hours. I think she was 17th this year. Yeah, um, fast, and that time before, yeah, the fastest time she's ever done. Yeah, fastest time she's ever done in Kona. And, and right, like and Lucy lowest... Charles Barkley sets a course record. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, what do you think that speaks to in terms of the way that like women are showing up for Ironman these days? Well, yeah, and and well, and, I... and and I also just kind of want to underline that just even with your your performance, Jacqueline, you were twelve minutes. I wasn't going to say that four, four, four years ago, <laughs> but but you were you were farther down in the age group. You had more women finishing in front of you. Um, uh, yeah. and so, so yeah, I mean, it was, yes, that's far, my point. <laughs> it was a far more competitive day. Um, yes. when it was a women's only race. It's the, by far the yeah. most competitive day that's ever been there, both in the pro race mm-hmm. and in the age group race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, in 2019, I was like 33rd or something in my age group, but there was only like 600 women in that race with, um, overall, this year I was like 60 something, but that's because you've got women who like when it, when I had to qualify in 2019, you'd get only one spot. Now you're getting at least the top five, top 10 women. And they're, it, it, it comes down to the wire sometimes when to get, and, and so you have more competitive or faster women now in this race. So it's going to be more competitive. Um, and I know that they came out with some new qualifying rules, um, recently. And so I think that it's going to make it more competitive, um, to get the top women showing up for the world championship, which it should be because it's the world championship. So, um, hopefully that all works out. One of the new, um, I think one of the new, I don't know, rules are for for Nice next year, right. When the women go to Nice. So they just announced all these but you can qualify for Nice without having to do a full Ironman. Uh-huh. Um, so Which you used to, you used to be able to do that <laughs> um, true. back in the day. There was a, it, it's only a select race at 70.3 races yeah. that the top five of the age group will get to go, which that was the chance. Um, they used to have a couple races like that years ago. So, um, is that on your radar? Like, would you, is that something you'd want to do? <laughs> is it no, too soon to ask? I ha- I'm, I'm in retirement right now. So oh, I see. <laughs> I'm in retirement right now. This is retirement number two. Of yes. Number. <laughs> I'm taking a hiatus for just a little bit. So, um, which I am like, oh my gosh, I, which I, I probably could be invited. I, I might have that opportunity because I think they're doing some all world athletes, um, and I'm looking pretty good. So, um, I don't know, like, I wish I could take it, but that's not part of the plan. So, um, I mean, Nice is, I have heard is a fantastic venue. It's a beautiful course. Um, but it we'll see what happens next year. So, yeah. well, you know, I mean, we had Joseph McLeod who competed in Nice, um, on the podcast last week. Um, right. and, and he had nothing but good things to say about, about yeah. that race in terms of the venue and the feel, um, and the world championship aspect of it and all that sort of thing. And so, yeah, there was a lot of ugliness about the, the, the switch, um, the, the change, I think overall it's a good change. 
Um, I think it's been great. Yeah, I do too. Um, and and I'll also mention just while we're talking about comparing Kona and Nice and the women's only race, and the men's only race, um, the women's only race got significantly more viewers than than the mm-hmm. men's race did. Like, yeah, not even close. <laughs> Um, and all of those viewers were trained on the women's race, the women's pro race, the women's age group race, that sort of thing. Um, they were tuning in specifically to see what it was that Lucy Charles Barkley was doing. And I think that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clearly there's, yeah. clearly there's demand for, for, for mm-hmm. women's only racing. Um, so yeah. that was good to see. It made it, I mean, I love racing against men cause I love passing them, but, um, <laughs> <that's> awesome. <laughs> it, but it did like it helped on the bike course. You didn't have to jockey position, you know, yeah. Yeah. it was um, it, there were some positives, but um, I also it's it's fun to have race with both groups. So um, I don't know what, you know, will happen in the future, but I know that it's the women are have taken charge and, you know, there's um, a need for it and a want for it. So. Yeah, the question is going to be whether uh, whether we get to add the men back into the women's race, not whether we're going to add the women back <laughs> into the men's race. I doubt it. Um, I don't think the women uh, want the men coming back. <laughs> no. uh, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I like having two separate races. Um, I thought it was great. And I like having two separate venues for reasons that we discussed last week. I think it's cool. Um, uh, very good. So, Jacqueline, you said you're in your retirement here. You said you're, you're on hiatus. Uh, what is next? What are you thinking? I know you're batting something around in your head. <laughs> Well, I mean, the plan is for us to expand our family. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens. And, um, after that, who knows, <laughs> because I can't imagine life with a three-year-old and a, and a baby. So, um, <laughs> but I know lots of moms figure it out and I'll do, I'll be doing something probably yeah. it could be just your local five case, but yeah. you know, I will well, not stop racing <laughs> four, four, four years ago you couldn't have imagined doing it with a two-year-old and and yeah exactly you, you just did it so so there you go yeah. um and we should also ask too just in terms of keeping it balanced um you mentioned you know having a husband who's also an endurance athlete and he had to support you yeah i mean i know it's his turn and i'm really glad like i love watching him race he's mm. a great you know athlete um so i i hope that he finds something big next year um right. we don't have anything yet or he doesn't have anything yet so um, he was supposed to actually do a marathon, um, in a couple of weeks, but they ended up moving it to March. So now not sure what's going to happen. Um, okay. but I hope Chris does something fun, something really cool. Cause I want to be there and, you know, to cheer him on and go somewhere cool, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Well, whatever happens, we 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 want you to come back and tell us all about it. Oh, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> also, for the record, I I feel like people that retire from Ironman are just uh, in a league of their own. Nobody ever actually retires. I know <laughs> it's like the same as someone going and doing a seventy point three and saying they're never going to do a full, and then it's like, no, you're for sure going to do a full. You're yeah. even like you never trying to say that you're never doing a full. Like you guys are the worst retired athletes ever. <laughs> It's because it's hard to retire from three things at once. Right. Like if I think about how many times women in the Thursday morning run that I go to regularly that are mostly triathletes have said they're done with Ironman. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden everyone's going to do another one. It's like, no, no, you guys don't right. retire. You just don't. So anyway. The FOMO is real. <laughs> Something like that. So Awesome. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Jacqueline Williams Nasser, thank you for coming on to the podcast and telling us about what it was like competing in Kona, the Ironman World Championship in 2023. Second time there. Thank you so much, George. And thank you, Michelle, for having me. It's been a pleasure. It was fun getting to recap your experience. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonctpa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.